first time. It's great. And uh, uh, just um, and exciting to just sense the, the presence of God with you. I just felt as we worship and just that sense of God, God just with us is great. Um, yeah, in terms of just the bigger picture, first of all, I'd say that it's great having Josh, Nina and Freddie over in February. Uh, we had our gathering of uh, Christ Central, that's what we call it, our apostolic family of churches together. Uh, we had a, a, a leaders get together in Crewe in the north of England and we had a great time. It's great having these guys over and and just sharing really about what God's doing with you, what's happening with you, and uh, it, it's exciting, okay? God's got us on a, on a bigger story together, mm. and uh, it's great to kind of hear about Sweden in that, mm. and, uh, and you guys. Um, just, I mean, what, what we do, uh, and I think it's always helpful to kind of think, well, why are we here? <laughs> it's kind of a good question. Mm. And we, we're here because, actually, I think it's very simple. I think... We've got this passion to see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached across the nations. But we believe that the best way that that happens is through local churches. And that's why we believe in planting local churches, that actually it's another community of God's people. And uh, and I believe that will go on and on and on until Jesus comes again. That would be the planting of local churches because it's in the local church it demonstrates not just the message but it demonstrates the life Mm. of the people of God being together and I think that's our passion Mm. Uh, so in terms of Christ central our values really is being friends first because it is about relationship and but enjoying God together okay so that's obviously Jesus is central to everything we want to see and do uh, but we're passionate about building churches that are based on the Word, on the Bible, and full of the Holy Spirit, yeah. which it actually is the sort of church you read about in the book of Acts, that actually, it, yeah, they, they had a message to preach and a message to live, but actually they were filled with the Spirit. And actually to make disciples, that actually, and I, I, that's why it's Christ central, to put Christ first. Mm-hmm. And to have our lives shaped by, by him, not, not only his teaching, but by him and his teaching. Yeah. And, uh, and also believing that actually God's kingdom can come through us, mm-hmm. which is amazing, yeah. uh, an amazing truth. And that's why, you know, church isn't just about the meetings. It's about where we live, where we work. And I know you guys are all over the city in different settings doing different things, but right where God's got you in the city mm. is actually... There we go. Is, it, is that my time up? Oh, I'm trying to be so quick as well. Okay. <laughs> Overrun. And, uh, but actually, where God's got you is where his kingdom can come. Yeah. And it's so important. Whatever happens, like here, on a Sunday morning and on a Thursday evening, is about what you go out with. And where you live and where you serve, and that's okay. So, so that's our passion. Cheryl and I, literally a few weeks ago, we were in Canada and visiting some of the churches over there uh, that are, that we partner with. And we, I was just kind of working out this morning. We were t- we, we were with two church plants and three churches, and it's always fascinating going to Canada 
uh, we go to Ontario, Canada, okay? And, uh, and it's always fascinating because I think there are some similarities. There are, I think there's some real differences, but I think there's some real similarities. I eat hockey, okay? <laughs> That's one. And, uh, but it's quite interesting being with the church plants kind of over there and being with the church plant here you kind of think oh yeah you know you're on the same mission together yeah. and it's important to know that all over the world yeah. there are, are kind of uh, church plants like this kind of with a passion to reach the city and so we had a real link in with one of the church plants in Toronto uh, which is such a growing massive city and actually is very similar to Gothenburg in the sense of it is growing everywhere mm-hmm. it's building everywhere you go into Toronto it's building everywhere and property prices are, are shooting up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, but right in that, you know, there's a church plant we're good friends with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and actually, you know, you're kind of part of that bigger story. You know, and then your prayer meetings, you don't just pray for yourselves, but you pray mm-hmm. for what God's doing mm-hmm. out there. So, so it, it's great being with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's great kind of it, knowing we're in partnership. You know, we do pray for you in the UK and we believe mm. you know God's got a great you know great calling on your lives here in Gothenburg mm. really believe that uh, and to influence beyond okay so let's turn to Galatians shall we and Galatians chapter 3 I'm going to read you Galatians chapter 3, uh, can I encourage you to kind of um, put your seatbelt on <laughs> and to somehow kind of keep with it because you, it won't take long before we get into this chapter, you realise, wow, there's a lot going on here, okay? And I think it's one of the most kind of richest and, and densest bits of this letter which I know you're preaching way through. And thank you, Josh, for asking me to preach on it. <laughs> You'll see why <laughs> as we read it. Okay. So Galatians chapter 3. Okay. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I say, does God give you his Spirit, and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by, by your believing what you've heard? So also, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole, on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Are you still with me? <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? It's rich, okay? Right. Deep breath. Okay, second part. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life, just as no one can set aside or add to human covenant that which has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given us all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one part of it. God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given through that could impart life, then righteousness could certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked everything up under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of the faith, of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer a guardian. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all, all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, though he owns the whole estate. But the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit, his Son, into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. <sighs> okay. I had to read the whole lot, okay? It... Because it doesn't make sense to just take bits of that. Mm. And as I say, thank you, Joshua, for giving me this whole section. No
in 25 minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, that early bit of Galatians 3, Paul starts actually with some really personal questions, which I think you've looked at already. Where he starts questions like, did you, did you receive the Spirit? Um, he says, uh, he asks questions. Let me just ask. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah. he, he says, he asks a question like, did you, are you, have you, does God give you? Okay, he asks some very direct questions about how they receive the Spirit. And it starts with personal questions. And then almost in the next breath, it goes, so also Abraham. And it's important we get this. Because the Bible does actually two things for us. It challenges us with direct questions. It actually challenges us with the question, do you believe? Do you understand this? It's very direct. And then almost in the next breath, and this is what the rest of the chapter is, you almost get this big picture painted, which starts with Abraham and tells really the whole panorama of the Bible story. That's why it's quite a dense chapter, this chapter three. It, you've got the whole Bible kind of squeezed into this chapter, you know, and you think, wow. And the Bible does both. It's very direct, personally, but it gives us the big picture. And one of the ways, and, and why it does that, is that Paul is so wanting to kind of shake them up again because they've lost sight of the grace of God. They've lost sight of the, the, the truth that they need to be found in, which is God's incredible, wonderful grace. And they've, they've, they've allowed, they've added something to grace which they think will help them grow to be more godly. In their case, it's circumcision, but it could be all sorts of things. We add to grace, that sort of thing. We want to grow to be like Christ. Certainly grace isn't enough. And Paul is shaking them. And he's challenging them with a very direct personal question. And then he says, now see this. See that the whole story, throughout the whole of the Bible... Is about grace. And that's why this chapter, as dense as it is, is vital that we get hold of it. And one of the ways that Paul does it, which I think is a really good kind of teaching technique, he does it through contrasts. And again, that's what the Bible does for us. It, 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 it paints contrasts. At times it helps us understand things by contrasting things. It, 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 it puts a contrast between light and darkness, good, evil, sinner, saint. It paints contrast. And in this section, we basically have three contrasts. It talks about faith, works, one contrast. Law and promise, another contrast. Sons or slaves, another contrast. And in those three contrasts, we get to grips with the grace of God. 
through the panorama of the Bible story. And in doing that, what Paul is doing is driving home the truths of grace. And it's critical we understand that. Just coming into Gothenburg, this, this trip, and I think it's the, the first time we're here, we're just driving around the town, or driving around the city, just uh, you know, going a few places. And it's building everywhere. Mm. And we're by that bit where there's the, the new bridge being constructed. Where's that? Okay. Anyway, and you've got there in, in that construction of the bridge, you've got this huge or a number of these massive pile drivers. Mm. You know, they're just mm. there. They're kind of parked there, menacing, kind of <laughs> waiting. You know, and they are going to put footings in, foundations in for that bridge that hopefully is going to carry all sorts of people, traffic, you name it, take all sorts of weight. Mm. The effectiveness of that bridge depends on the work of those pile drivers. Mm. And if you've been here working through Galatians, you sort of think, oh, hold on, haven't we done some of this stuff before? Wasn't that chapter one? <laughs> we kind of looked at the grace of God. Yeah. Okay? We, uh, uh, justified by faith, haven't we already done that? Okay, and we've done that. You know, we've ticked that one off. Come, move on. Okay, and here you are. You're going to, oh, by the way, we're speaking about it again. You just think, well, yeah, haven't we heard it enough? No, no, no. We need that it to be pile driven deep, deep, deep into our hearts. Because there's something in our hearts that doesn't get grace. It kind of, it is foreign language to us. It's not like, we always think we've got to do something to please God. We always think we've got to make ourselves better. We always sort of think, okay, well, grace, yeah, I get forgiven by grace, but how do I grow? Okay, and we give ourselves all sorts of laws, all sorts of rules, all sorts of things we think we ought to be doing. And, and Paul says, no, 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 no. Okay. He says, no. And he power drives it again. Boom, 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 boom. And he power drives it through this big picture. So let's just look at these contrasts, okay? Faith or works. That's kind of that first big, big, uh, big, big book, big section. Those who have faith are children of Abraham. That's in verse 7. In fact, Paul says, understand. Again, that's an important word, understand. The Bible, in, in getting to get grips with grace, I believe we can experience grace, but we're to understand something. Mm. We're to understand it. That's why we have the scriptures. They are to open our minds, open our hearts, so we can get an understanding. Understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Okay, let's be honest. Why should this matter to us? Okay, what's the big deal about Abraham? How many of us woke up this morning thinking, Oh, I really hope to hear about Abraham today? You know. You know, I, I mean, does it really? Okay, okay, Alan did. Okay, but no one else, okay? Okay, no one else did. You kind of think, oh, yeah, that's what you kind of, oh, you know, uh, gonna, oh, I hope he speaks about Abraham. 
it kind of doesn't seem that relevant. You know, this historic patriarch, you know, all those millennia ago. Why Abraham? Well, actually, this section reveals an important truth that actually he's our forefather in the faith. And that actually, what, one of those things we are is that we're children of Abraham. And Abraham is there in our history to teach us, in fact, a number of lessons, but there's one critical lesson that comes through here that actually we're made righteous by faith. You see, Abraham was a moon worshipper. He lived in Ur, a place called Ur. Yeah, Ur, that's great, isn't it? So, so where do you live? Ur. Uh, no, where do you live? Ur. Uh, no, 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 oh, Ur. Uh. It's a bit like people ask me my surname. So what's your name? Bye. Oh, bye. Yeah, but what's your surname? Bye. No, no, bye. Okay. Um, but, so he lived in Ur, a moon worshipper, and God broke into his life. And the scriptures are dead simple on this point. He believed God. Not he believed in God. He believed God. Mm-hmm. God gave him a promise. He believed God. Mm-hmm. And then in this section it says that he believed God. It was credited righteousness to him. So we have this ungodly guy. God speaks. He believes it. And this ungodly guy is now known as righteous. Mm. Hasn't done a thing. It's God's initiative. God steps in. He's made righteous. Mm. And the actual word credited is a word that means accounted. Mm. It has that sense to it. It is you waking up tomorrow morning and going, you know, on, on, onto your bank account, you know, Checking your account details, and you kind of know you've got a horrible sinking feeling, or you know it's been in a you know it's been in deficit for a while, you know that horrible red kind of feeling. And then you go into your bank account, you put your name into it, you check your details, and you find that not only has the debt been cleared, but your account has been credited. Credited a huge amount. So you're not just clear of the deficit, but just imagine, you know, literally credited, you know, not just hundreds, thousands, you millions. We've been credited, Abraham's credited with the righteousness of God. And that is not true for us. And the reason for that was faith. Not works. Abraham didn't do a thing. Didn't do a thing. It's credit. He, he believed God. It was faith. And Paul is saying, get back to your roots. Don't, don't let works. Works will never make you right with God. Consider Abraham. He becomes very relevant to us. He was a, he was a no-hoper. He was, godly, he was ungodly, no hoper. And we read about the rest of his life. He was a struggler, he had weakness, whatever. And yet he's known as the father of faith. This is the good news. 
And the Galatians have been robbed of it. And that's why Paul's so, he is angry. He said, come on, who's bewitched you? You've got caught up in this religious nonsense. Stop it. <laughs> okay? That's what he's saying. Stop it. Stop it. And he's trying to help them stop it by painting this bigger picture. He got very personal. Did you believe that? Well, he's it, personal. And then the bigger picture about Abraham. Everything gets changed in Abraham's life because God broke it. That's our story. If you're not a Christian yet, this is your story. It's great news. It really is fantastic news. You don't have to get better. You don't have to improve. You don't have to turn over a new leaf. You don't have to become religious. You don't have to do any of those things. No, 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 no. Believe it. It's true. Faith or works? It's by faith. By faith. But the other thing about Abraham that it leads us to, it talks about that he was justified by faith, that's made righteous. But also, he was blessed. That's two words. And these are Bible words to get excited about. Okay? Justified, made righteous, I'm now right before God, and blessed. I'm blessed. God gave Abraham a promise of all the nations would be blessed through you. That there was, he would be blessed. He was blessed and he would be a blessing. And I, I just want to just think about that word blessed. It's true of you. God's favour on our lives. Blessed. And to be a blessing. Incredible. Justified and blessed. That's a good thing to wake up to. Doesn't mean we won't have struggles. Doesn't mean we won't have challenges. Doesn't mean we won't have hard times. No, but it does mean this. That in all those times, these things never change. I'm justified and I'm blessed. I'm justified and blessed. And even in those hard times, I can be a blessing. Mm. Faith, not works. Promise or law. This is that next section, really. And again, it's a contrast. Promise or law. You know, the world takes all sorts of ideas and kind of muddies them together. But again, I say scripture, it makes clear contrast. Promise or law. And this continues a little bit. Of, of the Abraham theme because Abraham was given a promise mm. and, <clears throat> and it, it's interesting because the linking verse is verse 14 which is this that uh, he, Christ, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles it's us through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit so, there's a promise that Abraham is given that is given to him and, scripture here says, to his seed. Someone who will be born of his line. Not seeds, seed. Abraham, 
the seed. And what we find here, that that seed is Jesus Christ. He receives all the promise. And then as we come to Christ, that's now true of us. So we now can receive the promise, which is described here as the promise of the Spirit. The very life of God filling us mm. and meeting with us. It's so important we understand this, because this is where the chapter starts. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Oh, no, 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 no. We received it through a promise of faith. as ours in Christ, through Christ. It's by promise, and it's not by law. And I hope this is helpful. Just stick with me a little bit more, a little bit more explanation of this. But this is big picture, panorama, and it's actually kind of condensed the whole Bible into a couple of minutes. Okay, so that's why we're covering it. Okay, but panorama, keep panorama in mind. Promise of the law. So in biblical history, what happened was this. God spoke to Abraham. Abraham believed God, credited righteousness. 430 years later, we get the receiving of the law. Moses. And the law points to, it reveals God's heart, so it's a good thing, but it puts the emphasis on us obeying it. And us obeying all of it. So if we thought, if we rely on the law, so if we go the root of the law, and we slip up on one thing, we actually fall under the curse of the law, the punishment of the law. So this good thing, the law, 430 years later, actually, it, 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 it becomes the blockage, it stops us. It says that actually, no, I'm, I'm a sinner, I can't fulfil this law, I keep falling short, it leaves me under a curse. But what Paul does here, he takes us back to the beginning and says, no, 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 actually, you're under a promise. That was here. Hmm. Get the promise. Yeah. Get the promise. And well, what about the law? Do we just ignore that? No, actually, there's someone who came who actually dealt with the law on our behalf. Hmm. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. So this no longer sounds like, so the shadow of the law is no longer over, over our lives. It's dealt with. It's dealt with legitimately in Christ. He fulfilled the law. So the law, so we, we live in this line of promise. Not under law. He redeemed us. Totally. From the curse of the law. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took that curse on himself. The curse is dealt with. What's the contrast to curse? Blessing. We're doubly blessed. <laughs> We're blessed, you know, as part of Abraham's line. We're blessed because Jesus has dealt with the curse. We are a blessed people. Yeah. We can really get this in our spirits. Yeah. When you wake up tomorrow, and whatever world you step into, hey, I'm blessed. Yeah. And I can be a blessing. Jesus has done it all. The law has been removed. We can live depending 
on the promise. And what was the promise again? The promise of the Spirit. That's the big promise from the panorama of, of the Bible story. Okay, so this contrast. I hope this is helping. Faith or works is faith. Always has been. Right from the beginning of the story, right up to now. Okay? Promise or law? It's promise. The law's been dealt with. We're no longer under it. Big, big story. This is about understanding grace. Power driver. (laughs) Paul could just have taken one of these, but he's so passionate to seem rooted in it. In terms of you as a church plant, I believe you're doing a brilliant thing. In terms of spending time in Galatians, I just realised I've got a little commercial break here. <laughs> a little commercial break. Okay, before I get up to the third contrast, I'll finish with that. A little commercial break. Okay, this year in October, it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, when Martin Luther uh, actually kind of really, he saw it. He saw this thing of credited righteousness. He saw it. It's like, yeah, I don't have to do anything. It's God's gift to me. It's not what I've earned. And in this October, there'd be lots of celebrations, all sorts of stuff happening. Meanwhile, ahead of the game, there's this brilliant little book there. Okay, fantastic. You could read it in an evening. It's just, it's, it really is big writing. <laughs> and it's got pictures. <laughs> and it's spaced out. And it's not big. Okay, Brilliant book that takes all these truths off the grace of God. Everything we're looking at. It helps power drive it even more. Okay. It's a copy for each of you. Okay? It's a gift from King's Church Cockermouth, okay? Okay, their home church to you guys. Okay, take this with you today and read it and just think, yeah, this is true. Yeah. It's the grace of God. So third contrast is this, sons or slaves. And that's why I went into chapter four, because it kind of begins in chapter three. But this last little section... It reveals the heights of grace. Yeah. See, justification, made righteous, it gets you in that right standing with God. You're no longer guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Go and keep hearing this enough, you know. Right. Do you really realise that? You're no longer guilty. Mm. No, but I feel it. Mm. Now, God says it. Mm. No longer guilty. But you don't know my week. You don't know how I messed up. No. No longer guilty. But I've not read my Bible today. No longer guilty. It's by faith that works. It's in your bank account. Check it. Keep checking it. Okay, this is our mobile app to check our righteousness stakes. Yeah, oh, yeah, I am. So third contrast is sons or slaves. And again, this is a massive, it's a theme that goes through the whole scripture. Uh, But I'm just literally highlighting it. But if justification is our standing before God, it's almost like the foundation. Sonship (coughs) is the heights of grace. Because it speaks about relationship. Mm. 
Everyone just say something about sonship. It's something as male and female we've got to get our minds around. Okay? Now, already, and it's helpful in this passage that actually Paul's already said male and female were all one in Christ. So there's no issue of equality here. Okay? We're all equal, male and female. Okay? That's established. But in that culture, the male son, in fact, the eldest son, the male son, was the heir of the estate. And you can kind of think what we like about that nowadays, but in those days, that was the way it was. And that's the days that this, this, the, the Bible was written into, and that's the example that Paul is using here. And it's a very powerful one, because what you're saying, male and female are equal, so male and females in Christ have that status of sons. Mm-hmm. Heirs. Not just children, sons. We have, we're heirs. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those little kind of gymnastic things you have to do with your mind as Christians. So for men, okay, we have to get our minds round we're part of the bride of Christ. Okay? And you go the kind of, yeah, sort of thing, you know, and we've got to get very familiar with it. We're part of the bride. But also, you know, for females, for ladies, that sense of, I've got to get to grips with sonship. It doesn't make me any less of a woman, but boy, does it explain something about the access and the inheritance that I have now in Christ. Because my life is now found in the sun. Sonship is critical. This actually is true liberation. It goes way beyond all are equal. This goes beyond, wow, we're in the sun. It raises the stakes on the liberation fronts. Sons, not slaves. We're just finishing this. What this really means, it means, and it says here that I've been clothed with Christ. Clothing identifies us, doesn't it? Mm. Clothing is also quite essential. <laughs> you know, the one thing I know that we all share in common this morning <laughs> is we're all clothed. Mm. Okay? Despite how you feel, you didn't wake up this morning thinking, shall I get dressed or not? <laughs> Irrespective of how you're feeling, mm. you got dressed. We're clothed the Christ. Mm. It's how we live. It's how we are presented to the world in Christ. It's daily. It's essential. It's intimate. Actually, clothes fit us. They, they take our shape. We're clothed. It means we're freed by Christ. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer under the law. We're no longer under the control of sin. We're no longer slaves, we're sons. Mm. Adopted as sons. That I, I, you might well be looking at this else at another time, but a deliberate legal process that was done with eyes open, heart open, is a decision made by a father, often who didn't have their natural son, maybe had a slave in their, in their household, and they decided to make this slave their son. Mm. Wow. 
the initiative of the Father. Mm. And that's what sonship is all about, is knowing the Father. It's knowing. He really does love me. He chose me. He wanted me. Mm. Not just to work for him, no, 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 but to be a son. We have freedom and access in knowing the sons, knowing that we're sons. Three great contrasts. Faith or works? Law or promise? Sons or slaves? All that is the big Bible story. All condensed. And it starts with some personal questions. Did you understand this? Do you get this? Don't let this one slip. Let these let God so drive these truths in. No, you are justified. Made righteous. You are blessed. You have an inheritance. You can know the Father. More than that, the Father knows you. You are in Christ. You are redeemed. This is the grace of God. This is the big story on the grace of God. So just pray. Mm, it's coming.